This is Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast with your hosts, Josue Cardona and Dr. Kelly Dunlap. So Kelly, this is a conversation we've had many times before, and there's this kind of anecdote um, that you that I've heard you tell on in multiple interviews and presentations and everything. So let me know what you think um, of the title, tentative title for this episode. Plato's VR pencil. I love it. Does it work? Okay. Uh, okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I was, okay. I was a little worried about where you were going, but I, I love it. You know, you know, Plato's pencil. Tell, tell us a little bit about uh, your go-to um, example of whatever you want to call that. <laughs> so one of the most common ways that people talk about media and entertainment in particularly, or any kind of technology is that if it's new, it's scary and it's going to corrupt our children. And I like to always remind people that that is what human beings have been saying since time immemorial. So, you know, it, most recently, it was video games are corrupting our children. Before video games, it was television and rap music, Dungeons and Dragons. It was comic books. Before that, it was the radio and the, the phonograph. And before that, it was the, the printing press. And the, it comes all the way back to Plato saying how the pencil was stupid because you can't have rhetoric if something is written down. You have to have dialogue. So if you have something a little of little value, write it down because writing is absolutely worthless and it's going to rot our brain so that we don't have to remember things anymore. And the only we reason won't we won't be able to remember we won't once be you able start to using remember. that damn pencil. Yeah, because you, your brain won't have to hold that information anymore because you'll just write it down and, and forget it. And my favorite thing in the world is that the reason we know he said that is because someone wrote it down, presumably with a pencil or some kind of writing implement. Yes. <laughs> so long story short, this is a time-honored human tradition to fear the technology that we don't understand, or rather the technology that came out after we were in our 20-somethings and our brains start to get all hard and less plastic and less adaptable. Oh, yeah. And and really, this is the obligatory um, violence in video games episode, but I want to do it in a in the context of VR because guess what shipped yesterday, Kelly? That oh, I'm very excited about. I am so excited for you. I am. If you've seen Scott Pilgrim, where he's just stand sitting in front of the door waiting for for UPS to arrive, yes. that's kind of how I am. Yes, or that uh, that old school. What was it? Ross commercial. Open Marshalls. Open, open with the hands, <laughs> which no one can see me doing right now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm very excited. My my PlayStation VR is on its way. Uh, I cannot wait to to play this. Um, I've said it before. It's like I'm, I'm living in the future. Got my my VR. My, my my virtual reality headset, and and with that, there you know, there's. Already, you know, stuff in the news and and people talking about how you know how will this affect people and it's, I, you know, it brings back that conversation of like violence in video games and how video games rot your brain and now that it's closer to your face and you're completely immersed, it's obviously going to be much worse and we we can we can uh, hypothesize about that later, 
uh, you know, towards the end. But I do, I do want to touch on two, two things. One is the the name of the show is Headshots, right? It's a, I believe it's a great pun. <laughs> Um, but it's, you know, I've actually had people tell me like, Hey, do you think, don't you think the name of the show is a little insensitive? And, you know, I have an opinion about that. Do you, has anybody said that to you or, or, or do you have any feelings about it? Only through you. Okay. And I, I understand where you could, could see that, but at the same time, it's a really great pun and I can't, I can't resist a great pun. I just can't as, as yeah. we all know. And the people who have uh, said that to me are 100% not the audience, right? If you if you don't get the pun, um, if you if you don't get that it's a that it's a video game reference first and foremost. Oh, and I thought very, it was a modeling good. reference. You know, send in your headshot. That's a whole other problem. Isn't, um, isn't that what that we're we talking do not about? have? Because <laughs> we have faces for radio. Oh yeah, podcasting. I guess. Anyway, how many Sorry. people do you think would be shocked to know that you have red hair? I, I feel like it really comes through in my voice. I feel you think like so? the, yeah. the Irishness and the uh, the feisty red haired feeling, the the gingerness. I feel like it comes through really strongly. Maybe I'm just numb to it. I'm just used to it. it, might be it. <laughs> I've assimilated so, you. It's all good. Resistance yeah. is futile. <laughs> And so headshots is is again something that it's so funny for some people to think about it being a a reference to a violent act when when was the last time that that was really I, I don't know what when do people really talk in the context do hunters even talk about headshots in context like I don't I don't know you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm a gamer so to me that is a measure of accuracy, right? Like the most accurate you can be is to have a headshot on your opponent, whether that opponent be a an alien, a robot, or a, or a or a digital human being. It's just you're aiming for that for accuracy, you know. And to me, that's what it is. To me, that's that's what the reference is. So this is, in a way, not not an apology, but just a comment on how you know. I don't, I don't think it's insensitive. It is. Very much a a reference to to video games, and and with that said, <laughs> now we can go into the violence and and, and video games uh, conversation. Uh, this topic, I I have a very difficult relationship with this topic because on one hand, when people talk about video games making people violent, I kind of want to repeatedly slam my head into the wall because it's so frustrating and antithetical to what all the evidence says. But on the other hand, I'm really, really glad that this stereotype is around because that gives me job security. I keep going around getting to talk about it and because it's still there, even though there's, there's really no substantial scientific evidence of merit to support this idea. Uh, But yeah, it, it gives me job security. So just a couple of days ago, right? Um, or just a couple of weeks ago, the American Pediatric Society or Association, I think it's an APA, right? Um, once again, they they made all of the right mistakes in an article, you know, where they addressed the research um, quite accurately in like referencing it, but then in the title talked about 
just said violence in video games and how it makes uh, can make kids violent, and and it just like it just boils, just makes me so mad again. I can't even describe how mad I am. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's it's as a gamer, it's frustrating, it's insulting. As a psychologist, it's frustrating, and I I just. I want to sit down and explain to people about experimental design and meta-analysis and all these wonderful statistical things that nobody cares about. And I have the problem because nobody cares about them. So trying to maybe step away from that, uh, we did a panel about this uh, for games, and we're going to move on to VR in a bit, but for games in particular, we did a panel at PAX this, this year about the kind of the, the past year in psychology and games, and we touched on the American Psychological Association's report that came out in 2015, in which it quote-unquote confirmed the relationship between playing violent video games and aggression. And confirmed. Confirmed, yeah, like quote-unquote confirmed. And of course, as somebody who was a dues-paying member of the APA, no longer, uh, but who was, that was really, really irritating that this association that's supposed to represent me and my interests was just so wrong. Uh, I actually even wrote an article that's on Pixelkin that you can uh, you can check out. And but the idea was that I was going to go th- through the, in as entertaining a way as possible, which is really, really difficult when you're breaking down uh, the the way that the APA put this together and how they selected the studies that they would keep and how they selected the studies they would throw away. And so so the idea I had was I would go through the 20-aught articles that the APA used in their meta-analysis, which is basically taking an average of the findings of studies, and that's pretty much the most basic way to explain it. And then I would just go into each one and critique the methodology that they used. The problem was that the very first article I chose to critique had so much wrong with it that it took all of my time just critiquing that one article and I didn't have time to go through the other 19 or so. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea of of the flaws going on uh, in this particular report. So, I mean, everything from the samples they or the, the papers they chose was really shady. The ones they excluded was extremely shady. The fact that several people on the committee who made this report had already expressed anti-video game um, perceptions and had published on already on how violence in video games is a negative and there is no counterpoint to it. And just even stuff down to the methodological parts of they didn't define what a game was and they compared a game like Call of Duty to a game like, uh, see what's another uh, T-rated game, like uh Gran Turismo or or any of the other racing games. So you're comparing apples to oranges. You're comparing two very very different types of game and saying they're equal when they're they're definitely not. And so again, I could I could spend an entire episode going on about that particular article. Needless to say, not the coolest thing in the world. And what it did spark that I was really happy about was there was um, pushback from psychologists who psychologists, therapists, and other mental health professionals who actually study video games. And I think it was over, what was it, over 200 people wrote in protest of this report by the APA saying, this is wrong, this is dangerous, stop, stop spreading this stereotype that, you know, 
real science and real data shows is is non-existent. Yeah, and right now, video games is the entertainment medium that makes the most money, right, in the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's the most profitable one. So you can't expect or, or you can't be surprised by a reaction like that. I mean, not just obviously from it's, – it's good that psychologists stepped up, but, mm, you know, like I – Come on, guys. You know, like you're you're not attacking a small group or or uh, or something that people aren't interested in. I don't know. It's just. I hope they learned their lesson, but they haven't. Of course, they no. they, they haven't. But you know, but it was it was a it was a fun time when when all <laughs> this was going down. I must say. Oh, again, all of a sudden you become an incredibly popular person when you're willing to to speak on this. So hey. Job security. What can I say? I remember when it came when it came up. I told you, "Hey, um, I guess we got to do an episode on this now." And I think your reaction was something like, "Like, I don't, I don't, like, I can't. I don't even. No. <laughs> I need time to. <laughs> I need time to process what just happened yeah. to me yeah. and yeah. to really kind of come to terms with the painful reality that I was just shown." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we we've talked about it um, a lot. Right. And and kind of like, so what was the the core, the core argument from that group of psychologists and, and their response? Was, was there something that could be, you know, in a nutshell, kind of what they were, were saying? There is a confirmed link between playing violent video games and aggression. Ding, ding, ding. That's what it always yeah. comes back to. And even in Bye-bye. that article from <laughs> and even that article from the uh, Pediatric Association, it's you know a very inflammatory title where it says mm-hmm. violence, but then when they talk about the research, they're responsible enough to say that the findings find a connection with aggression, and then they go and make a leap towards violence, right? Or or it's even it's like an assumption, right? It's- it's even more nuanced than that. They're saying it's aggression. And by aggression, they mean aggressive thoughts or aggressive cognitions. There's almost, I'm not aware of one that actually had aggressive behavior. And if they did do aggressive behavior, because you're not allowed in a lab to have somebody punch somebody else, that would be unethical. So when they're measuring aggression, like behavioral aggression towards somebody else, they're using something along the lines of the the hot sauce paradigm. The idea that you're given a bunch of hot sauce and whatever kind of hot sauce you choose, the other person has to drink. So the idea that the hotter the hot sauce you choose, the more aggressive you are. That is not a very good proxy, in my opinion, for aggression. There's another one for playing loud noises and the idea that if you play a louder noise, you're being more aggressive than if you played a softer noise. Or another one of my personal favorites is a fill in the blank. So it'll give you maybe three or four letters of a word with one or two of the letter or a couple of the letters missing. And you have to fill out what that word is. So the idea is that if something starts with K-N and you write knife, that's more aggressive than if you wrote night. So this is how they're measuring aggression. So even when they do say, oh, well, behavioral aggression was found, not really. You're You're at people's thoughts. And kind of like we talked about on... Our episode last week on psych tech, if people were held accountable for their thoughts, the world would be a very different place, but we're not. So just kind of keeping that all in mind too. Yeah. I mean, the correct measurements for to, to measure aggression should be 
number of controllers thrown, distance of that <laughs> controller thrown. TV's maybe, broken. Uh, pressure um, of grip on controller. <laughs> and um, just just to follow that up, because I, I, I can't help but shout out my, uh, my buddy Chris Ferguson, who's like a guru in this area. He actually ran the only study that I know of that looked at actual uh, violent and criminal behavior. So he went to a juvenile... Uh, just a juvenile detention facility and, and did a study there so that he could actually talk about whether playing violent video games was correlated with actual real-life aggression. And when he controlled for exposure to childhood abuse, meaning that when he took that into account, if a child had been abused or not, there was no longer a relationship between violent video game exposure and uh, and aggression as a juvenile. So that's again. It's just pointing out that it's not. It's not the video games. It's way too. Human beings are way too complicated for for A to B scenarios, uh, mo- most of the time. So, yeah. There's also no longitudinal measurement of that supposed aggression. It's usually immediately after um, the gameplay experience. Correct. Oh my gosh! Again, I could totally, totally just rage on this for hours. But we're here to talk about. VR. We get a nice foundation in video games, but now we're kind of future casting at what VR is going to be like. So, Josue, do you think this is going to be the exact same story that it's been with video games, with Dungeons and Dragons, with comic books, with the radio, and it's just going to be in a, a digital virtual package? Or do you think there's going to be some kind of different take on the dangers or positives of virtual reality? And what have you seen so far to evidence one way or the other. In case you didn't get it from uh, Kelly's voice, <laughs> there is absolutely, um, it's just garbage research out there in terms of video games for the most part, right? <laughs> and aggression is the key. And the the shiny new thing is definitely VR. But there's, and, and I hadn't even thought about this. I didn't even put this in my notes, but it's it's obvious now as we're talking about it. The new show on HBO Westworld is bringing up an an incredibly interesting conversation. Are you familiar with what the show is about? I am not. I am a complete right. Westworld noob. All right, so I'm going to. There's it's 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 brand new, right? So I'm not going to spoil it. But the Westworld is a theme park where very very rich people pay somewhere around $40,000 a day, I believe, to go to this park to play out Wild West fantasies. Hmm. So the entire, um, it's, a, it's a recreation, it's a fantasy recreation of, uh, of Wild Wild West with androids. And the, in, the, in the actual series, uh, you're going to love this. You, you're going to have to check it out. There are designers who are talking about the different storylines that are playing out and how the different androids are able to have a little bit of flexibility and how one storyline affects the other. So when the guests arrive and they start playing out one thing or the other, it affects and has this chain reaction that can move throughout the entire park. So really, it's a, it's even beyond VR. It's beyond a virtual world. It's a completely artificial world um, that people are paying into. But really, it is, it's the holodeck, it is VR, it is an MMO. 
and it's a theme park, and there are already articles talking about the connection with, obviously, video games, and particularly the the thing that's like really, again, the thing that's most thought provoking about the show is that the humans are allowed to do whatever they want to these androids. So they can kill the androids. Um, they can sexually assault an android. They can do whatever they want to what are called the hosts. And I've read some articles that are talking about like, whoa, like this is obviously a parallel to things like Grand Theft Auto and things like that, where you have this ability to choose. And then, but now it's way more real than it was before. And kind of that's what VR is doing, right? When we get Grand Theft Auto VR, it's going to be more realistic than GTA 5, which was more realistic than GTA 4, which was more realistic than GTA 3. And I think that's where people are going to start. I think two very interesting things are going to happen. One, um, people are going to get, uh, you know, politicians, pediatrics associations and... um, Mothers associations and, you know, everybody that usually raises, you know, some sort of red flag about all this stuff is is going to have that argument now. But then also, I believe and I expect this to happen is that the more realistic experience, the, the that level of immersion is going to have us see some of these interactions that we've had in the past very differently. What do you mean very differently? I'm I'm, in, I'm intrigued by this idea. I want to see where you're going with it. So, so for example, when I play games, um, I usually play games that are shooters with without the sound on. I usually have a podcast on or an audiobook on. And I discovered a few years ago, I was playing a game called Uncharted, and I was in this part, and I couldn't pass it. And I don't know why. Like it was just there were tons of enemies shooting at me from all sides, and I couldn't do it. And I found that when I I turned off the sound and I put something else on and I couldn't hear the gunshots anymore, I was more relaxed and able to play the game more easily, right? Without my surround sound and bullets flying everywhere, right? It was just a lot easier to just, oh, okay, boom, 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 boom. I got through the bad guys, went on to the next part. And I realized that I've been able to do that in different games because I get so into the game that I get I get tense, right? It's not it's not a fear of um getting hurt. It's not like a, I don't know. It's just, it's just something about that extra layer of immersion, right? That, that makes it a little, like, it just makes it too much of a, you know, we talk about Twitch shooters, right? Like some people just can't do those really, really fast Twitch shooters because it's, it's like too much on your senses. And also I'm older, right? Research has shown that like, as you're older, you just like physically can't, aren't as fast and, and your reflexes aren't as fast as, as they used to be in something like um, a, a video game. So I've played enough VR where I've had experiences that I'd had in other games and the experience was so different in VR that it completely changed the way I see games. I'll give you an example. I've played games like Shadow of the Colossus. Or where you're very small and your enemies are gigantic, or something like God of War, where you're you're actually climbing up um, enemies that are as 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 giant as mountains. And I played a very simple VR game where there was an enemy who was a robot, who was maybe 
twice my size. And he stood up in front of me and towered and like leaned over me. And I was looking up at it and I was scared. And I and I've had that type of experience tons of times in a video game where there's an enemy that's larger than me, but I never felt um like uh overpowered by by someone's physical presence. And I think that there will be more and more experiences like that where because now we're in it, they're gonna feel completely different. Now I don't know what, you know, of course there will be research into all this kind of stuff, but I think we're gonna start looking at some of these things very differently. And I wonder if something like, you know, that that uh, scene from GTA 5 that got a lot of news where you have to torture somebody to get an answer out of them. If I had to actually walk up to the person and with my two, um, you know, touch controllers actually press them against the body, I don't think I would because now it's just a little too, it's too real. And that that area of like, ooh, this is, this is starting to feel uncomfortable, I think is going to be just fascinating to look at, the way it affects different people and the way it's perceived from people who do not uh, partake. Yeah, no, I'm, I'll agree with what, what you said 100%. The few VR experiences I've had have elicited uh, physio- physiological reactions, so increased heart rate, uh, surprise, like my throat getting caught in my chest, uh, when I thought I was like a thousand feet above in this flying chair. And so the there's a lot more manipulation of the brain uh, in VR than there is in just a re- regular video game so that you really do feel like you are part of, of this environment because our, our brains are as beautiful and complex as they are, are still kind of dumb. So they, they, <laughs> they can be, they can be tricked. I think what you're talking about in getting to the point where something's uncomfortable, I think that's where the fact that video games are such a huge industry, or rather video games is the predecessor to VR being such a big industry is really important. Because if something is going to make people uncomfortable and not want to play, that kind of game is not, it's not going to be made for a mass market. It's not going to be readily available. It might be more of a, of, of a niche thing. And there's definitely a difference between a feeling of, you know, fear or exhilaration. You know, we, we go to haunted houses because we like to be scared. We ride roller coasters because we like the feeling of the adrenaline. They're scary, but they're still really, really fun. But if you're getting to something that is genuinely uh, disturbing or upsetting, then I think you're going to see fewer and fewer people taking part in it. And then it, I think it becomes more of a question of the person opting in for that kind of, of experience. So the best kind of scenario that I can think of is when I played the Goosebumps game in VR. I hated it and I'll never play it again. And it's not that there was graphic anything. It's just that I knew when I turned around, there was going to be something in my face and I knew it and I, I had to turn around and then there was a zombie eating my neck and I... I didn't like the experience. I didn't like the feeling of tension and anxiety. So, you know, but then again, I don't really like, I don't like normal scary video games. I don't even, I don't like horror movies. It's just not something that's in my genre because 
I don't need help to feel anxiety. I'm a grad student, so I'm pretty neurotic as it is. I don't need help being pushed into that spectrum. Meanwhile, there's some people, think about the, the adrenaline junkies, people who like to jump out of planes and bungee jump and like wrestle alligators or, or whatever. You know, they, they have a higher threshold for feeling like they're uh, alive or, or they're excited. It just, it just takes more to get them there. So they might be more sensation seeking when it comes to these kinds of games. But again, I don't think it's necessarily the game that's going to put something into somebody that wasn't already there. It might bring it out in a way that they get to express this part of themselves, like the adrenaline junkie versus me, the neurotic grad student doesn't want to doesn't want to be scared yeah and i'm the same way with with scary games um horror games i i will not touch them there's there's a lot of games that are just there there is a like a jump factor that that i'd rather avoid i hate it i'm and and there are games like you said like something that brings something out of you like that's a that's kind of a that conversation is going to happen right um one way or another but i'm thinking about things like um, while you were talking, I was thinking of Mass Effect. It's a game that there are many games like this where you have kind of a uh, what do they call it? Like you can be good or bad, right? There's a morality system. Oh, like and, Paragon or Sith or uh, yep, yeah. yep, yep, exactly Lights that type of thing. Yep, and there, there's a lot of games like that. But um, in Mass Effect in particular, is a lot of fun because as you open up more Paragon or more um, whatever the, the the bad one is, you open up these other options. And sometimes you're in the conversation with somebody and the option to just like punch him in the face comes up, right? And that means that you have a button action that you that you didn't have before and now you can do that. And I'm thinking about um, – I don't – I'm pretty sure it was Mass Effect 2, may have been 3, where there was this moment where somebody was – just talking. And I remember it came up that I had the option to just use the the left trigger to have like a, a bad, you know, a, 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 a villainous action. And it was kind of just like knock the guy out and, and, you know, like not waste my time anymore. And I'm thinking that if I had that option in a, in a VR game where I had to swing my arm to do that, I don't think I would, I, I don't think I would, I could do it. You know, like I, I enjoy playing the bad guy in some of these games because I, I don't I don't get to do that usually, you know, <laughs> that's not part of your daily routine. It's not part of my daily thing. <laughs> right. So there are games where like I intentionally I'm like, OK, I'm going to role play as a bad guy. And I'm going to say things to be to kind of be this character. But then the more real that becomes, right, the more not real, but the more that I have to put in of myself to do that. Uh, I can see that being difficult. And there's a game uh, on PlayStation called The Last of Us where I never got to the end because uh, it was too tense for me. But uh, I know that towards the end of the game or right at the end of the game, you're presented with this choice is taken away. And you only have one action that you can take in order to proceed. And it's an action that a lot of people have a problem with. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's one of those things that even seems out of character for what's been happening, right? And it kind of changes the context of a lot of things, and it's it's probably one of the things that makes that game memorable and amazing. But I imagine having to do that in virtual reality would be a hundred times worse. Like I can imagine people just dropping the control and saying, nope, walking away and never finishing it. But at the same time, it's a narrative game, and you played, you know, six or seven hours to get to that point, you know that it's the end. Are you going to do it to 
kind of further the experience? And if you do, how do you feel afterwards? I don't know. So th- these are just like, things that that are going to be new. I almost I almost feel like they're they're so different from the gaming experiences that we have now that we can only take what we know now with a you know we can take very little of that and move that forward into into this new world that we're stepping into. I kind of feel it's like taking what we already know and experience in video games and amplifying it. So for example, I know that if I could play Halo in virtual reality, that would be awesome. I would be in such great shape. I can't even tell you if I actually had to run when I was running as a Spartan and jump when I was jumping as a Spartan. I mean, to me, that sounds really fun. To me, that becomes a game of paintball. Would you melee grunts in the face? Oh my gosh, yes. I totally (laughs) would. I totally, totally would. Now, if that grunt was like a small child, I would probably have a lot harder time with it. They're all like small children. Well, the the (laughs) thing is that they're they're aliens, and they're it's really it's easy for me to remember that I'm in a fictitious space because there is a alien there. You know, there's kind of like a grounding of okay, remember this is not reality. There's a tiny alien smack talking you, so it's totally okay to to back smack him. Uh, but I can definitely see a couple, some games, you know, you mentioned with Grand Theft Auto and some of the things that you do, uh, God of War, I know some of the actions in that one are, are pretty terrible in terms of what you have to do or what you do as a character or, or even in the cutscenes. So I think it's going to be finding a balance point about what, what people are comfortable with and what they'll actually enjoy doing. So again, the, the experiences I've had, the ones that I would play again, They've all been either puzzle-based, which I love puzzles, puzzle-based games, or uh, shooter. Like there was a, a big mech that I got to be in in space and shoot alien or shoot a incoming ships, and that that was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed that because I felt like I was this mech monster. But I think, at least for me, the further removed from reality the VR was, the more I enjoyed it. So I can't imagine playing a hyper-realistic game that has serious consequences to it in VR be just because of the the more immersive experience. And again, I'm going to go ahead and shout out there that I don't think, just like video games, I don't think playing a VR game is going to make you do X or Y or whatever. You know, human beings, we have agency, we have reason, we have logic centers, you know, we, we choose the choices that we make. So... I think it's just going to be a matter of, of that comfort level of finding what people tend to enjoy and then just customizing the experience for that. I guess in short, the market is going to drive what we see. Yes, there's going to be people who want to and already are making things that I never want to touch with a 10 foot pole, such as, you know, the pornography that is already in VR. And, you know, and that's that's fine because I don't have to. I'm a consumer and I can choose what I want to purchase and what I don't want to purchase. So I think that's that's going to drive it. And so good for the, the VR and video game community being as large as it is, because then the consumer really is going to get to dictate what what stays and what goes. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to have the, the aggression conversation before, because in that sense, again, a game can lead to a, aggression in the sense that you get frustrated, in the sense that you... You know, these are the things that are leading to it and that you have no idea, you know, the research isn't clear on how long that lasts. And the ones that do have looked at that, they show that it's not for a very long time. If you've ever played a game and you, 
you were angry because you lost to the computer to another player, you know, how long were you angry about it? After, afterwards, you were probably in another match already, you know, very, very quickly, and you already forgot about what happened before. And and yeah, so so the same thing applies here, right? We're, we're not saying that it's going to make you do anything. But that immersive part of it, I do wonder what other feelings are going to come up, right? So it's 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 going to be so fascinating. I one thing one thing that was really interesting in the last couple of weeks. Again, uh, Vive and Rift have been out for a while. Um, you know, for months, a lot of people have them, but not tons of people. Now there are tons of uh, VR reviews because the PlayStation VR is coming out. It's really mass market, and it has something like 30 games coming out on day one. So there are lots of reviews and people talking about it. And one thing I found interesting was I heard a lot of reviewers say that they were like kind of tired afterwards, right? Like they were more mm-hmm. more exhausted and not necessarily because like, when you describe playing Halo in VR, right? Um, very few VR games now actually have you moving around. And the oh, ones yeah, that do- you fall on your face. <laughs> that that too, but they, they don't. They couldn't even keep track of you. So some of them do have you walking around, but none of them have you running or doing anything like right. that. Not yet. Not yet, right? But just it's kind of like an assault on your senses from all sides. That is is more. It, it's more uh, tiring. You know, it is more demanding. And even if you're playing with a controller, because uh, you know on the console space, a lot of these. Uh, games you can you can play them with a controller it's just and it's not like the weight of the thing on your head or anything so you know these are there there are no answers in this episode right because these are i'm just asking questions here just uh and kind of looking forward to the type of things that you know again what is that next boogeyman that's coming up right and i think we're gonna see we're gonna hear some really really interesting things come out of, of VR. And, and I think it's it's so timely that Westworld just came out to ask the extreme. I mean, they've gone all the way to the extreme where instead of making a virtual world, um, like uh, Re- um, Ready Player One, the novel is being made into a movie. And that movie, and th- that is all about virtual worlds. And Westworld just like bypassed that completely into, well, beyond a virtual world, what if we make an artificial physical world. It's the argument of VR versus augmented reality. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. And and obviously it's more real. The, like Westworld is a more real example than Ready Player One will be because Ready Player One is all about you have haptic feedback and you have goggles and you have all these things and you have like a dome where you can move around. And Westworld is like, nope, you took a train and you're in there and all these things are are programmed in a certain way, but it's real. You can touch it. You can feel it without any sort of additional stuff. And then what comes up? Westworld sounds not even augmented reality, but like a LARP, a live action role play. Because it is set in the future and the hosts are all, I mean, trust me, you're going to love this show because it's all about how these androids are being made more and more realistic with little tweaks like the the park has been open for 30 years at this point and Anthony uh, Anthony Hopkins who plays like the the CEO of the company continues to just tinker with them to give them like little small tweaks like little mannerisms just the smallest little thing that can make them seem more human 
and what effect that has on on kind of everybody and on the experience. Um, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. BRB, gonna go watch Westworld. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I highly um, recommend it. Between Westworld and the new season of uh, Black Mirror coming out, I think we're gonna have some awesome fodder for Psych Tech. Uh, yeah, and uh, I get my VR tomorrow. So, uh, well, it's been nice about. knowing you. I'll, I'll see you when you resurface next week. It's a good thing we got two weeks between uh, uh, headshots. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, so, you, you so, go off and explore your virtual world. Oh, I, I will. I will. Yeah. I mean, this is, again, these are, these are things that I'm, I'm thinking a lot about. And I know other people are thinking about. I would love to hear what, what um, you know, listeners are, are thinking about this kind of. Not not just um, like I, I didn't really want to paint a, a negative picture. I'm painting. I'm trying to think of the things that people will worry about. But there's so much to be excited about too. And those things, probably more than anything else, are the ones that are going to be attacked. You know, because it's like, oh well, you know, they enjoy doing. This is this is where where th- this is the part in a, in these conversations when I bring up Jane McGonigal's book Reality Is Broken, right? Where guess what? This virtual experience just just gave me a better version of the real thing, and I don't think that that's a problem. But people do think that that's a problem, right? This is if if we go back and we talk to Plato and we tell him, guess what, man? This actually made my memory better. That pencil actually helped me out a lot. And then you'd lay out the science for it. And I wonder what he would say, you know? And we're going to be able to, to have this very strange conversation where I'm like, well, you know what? I'm sorry, but I like the virtual version of Rome better than the real version when I was there, <laughs> right? For right. this reason and that reason and that reason. And guess what? Like, Rome, step up your game, you know? If not, then I'm just gonna go to the to the virtual one. And there isn't there isn't a right or a wrong answer here. It's just the truth. We now have all these other options. And that type of thing scares people and it makes them feel very uncomfortable. It gets me excited. But I'm sure that we can if we, you know, the more hypothetical we are about different examples, the more, you know, there's one that I'm sure will get to me where I'm like, oh, well, actually. Yeah, okay, that one that one does concern me a little bit. And and these conversations are going to be happening like nonstop for the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when we conquer VR, there'll be something else that's new and there'll be controversy about that. It's just the way that human beings work. So all I can say is if you are going on the VR train, go forward, enjoy it. Don't let the haters bring your brain on your parade or whatever kind of other idiom you want to you want to throw in there and just and if you haven't had a chance to try out VR I suggest you know at least trying it out either at a convention or you know I know the like the Microsoft stores I think have Best might Buy have, Best Buy yeah, there has you go. Best multiple Buy. ones yeah yeah just go and go and try it out it's a really interesting experience and I feel like it's one of those things that you can't really explain to somebody and you can't really talk about it in a similar language with them until they've had at least a taste of it, until they've at least tried something and had had the experience because I, I do think that it is transformative. Open so, invitation, come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> he lives at one, two, three, four. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> um, all right. Well, enjoy your uh, your PlayStation VR. I'm really excited to hear how that goes and which of those games you uh, you really think is awesome and is the future, and which of those games just kind of sucked because there's going to be games that suck. That's how that's how games work. And yeah. if there's any games that kind of disturb you to the point where you think you know, might I can tell you not. right now, I'm not going to play Resident Evil Seven. Oh right no. Now. Oh, no, no, no. no. Mm, Actually, no. there is a demo. I might try it just for the sake of the show. But anyway, there's, there's so much to, to talk about in future episodes. And, that's a uh, Halloween episode right there. We'll, oh. we'll have you, we'll live stream you playing the Resident Evil 7 live. It's October, huh? In, uh, and then we'll just listen. It'll be an hour of you screaming, and it'll be great. <laughs> it'll be great audio. I think, I think, uh, I think I might do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, look forward to that, maybe. <laughs> In future episodes of Headshots, uh, definitely more VR talk in the future. Possibly more Westworld talk in oh, the yes. future. Trust me. Check it out. And uh, yeah, so more Headshots at headshotspodcast.com. If you want less gaming, more technology, uh, check us out at psychtechpodcast.com. We're at HeadshotsCast on Twitter. Kelly is Kelly N. Dunlap on Twitter. I'm Josue A. Cardona on Twitter. And please let us know. What do you think about this whole VR thing? And what would Plato think? <laughs>